Belling History with the Good Time Girls, a hyper-local podcast about the quirky history of Bellingham, Washington, and the fourth corner of the United States. Even though we like to keep things close to home here, these stories are no less entertaining to the masses and those who find themselves unfortunately outside of the PNW. We are your hosts. I'm Ren. And I'm Colby. And we are co-owners of Felling History Tours, also known as The Good Time Girls. If you want to know more about our tour business, visit our website at bellinghistory.com. Today's episode is called Exotic Birds in Beeham Take Two, or If These Birds Could Talk, or Belling History Out of the Mouths of Parrots and Sucklings. That is a weird Bible <laughs> verse. Really? I was like, out of the mouths of babes, out of the mouths of parrots. Then there's this suckling bit that never gets added to that out of the mouths of babes situation, which I kind of like. So, belling history out of the mouths of parrots and sucklings. Uh, today's historical selections are not likely to be found in the history books. And really, they are of no real consequence when it comes to belling history. But surprisingly, stories of our chatty feathered friends have come up again and again in research of other things. So, we thought we would string a few together for your entertainment Yeah, this episode is about exotic birds as pets, particularly parrots, and weird parrot stories we've collected from Belling History. Ren, have you ever had a pet bird? I've had a couple of pet birds. I like them very much. They're very noisy. I don't have birds now, nor will I ever have again. But my dad had a Quaker parrot, the cutest little green Quaker parrot when I was a kid. His name was Nikki, and he was a smaller breed, but he still was effing terrifying. (laughs) Like a little dinosaur. And he would chase our petrified cats through the house. God. Uh, and he was not really friendly to anyone but my dad. But he loved peanuts. And every morning he would call me and my brother down for school. Oh, my God. Good Dennis, Jesse, come down for school. No <laughs> so way. cute. Yeah, he was so cute. Oh. And I remember him just, like, chasing the cat, like, spreading his wings as high as they would go and chasing the cats across the living room floor. He was so funny. What happened to him? You know, I don't know if it was old age so much. You know, parrots and apartments are not necessarily. <laughs> I don't, you know, I was a kid. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what happened? Your dad's just like, <laughs> i like, bird. Does somebody want it? <laughs> yeah. My dad loved it, but Aww. the cats did not. Oh. My mom did not. Yeah. So who knows? I had a little bird once that when I was 16, I was living with a boyfriend. We were very young. And <laughs> he brought me home a bird as like a pet. A oh, yeah. parakeet or something. That's totally a young person. Let's, yeah. Let, let me bring home this bird. And I was honestly kind of traumatized <laughs> by it because I was like, I don't, I feel bad keeping it in a cage. Like it's a bird. It can fly. Like if I could fly, I wouldn't want to be stuck in a cage. <laughs> You're just smoking pot and staring yeah, at it. Like, so I would let it out of the cage and it would fly around the apartment. And then it like became obsessed with looking at itself in the mirror and became neurotic they do that and then one day we just couldn't find it and we were like well it must have just gotten out of the apartment and then one day we did find it and it was not alive so he did not get out of the apartment no he did not so i was really traumatized by that and i was like i will never have a bird pet again oh that's so sad (laughs) i've had some great bird pets the last one we had was Lychee. And she would fly across the room and land on my on my forehead, like if I had my head up, oh. and then she would nibble on my nose oh, ring. That's she cute. was the sweetest yeah. little thing. They're, they're really cute sometimes. Some yeah, of them. they're just very loud. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know much about parrots. 
other than mm. like the stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're colorful. They hang out with pirates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They like uh-huh. to talk. I mean, I think that's all you need to know. Okay. Oh, but also... <laughs> do you have some parrot facts? Parrots do belong <laughs> to the taxonomic order of cetaciforms. That's a word. That's a word. <laughs> I'm sorry, science folk, if I'm pronouncing that wrong. There are roughly 356 species of parrots. They're found wild in the Southern Hemisphere. So like South America, Australia, Africa, South Asia. They're tropical guys and they're known for their pretty colors. So you were right on that. And then according to the, the Smithsonian Magazine, the parrot's brilliant plumage has a special defense against damage. Cetacofulvins a bacteria-resistant pigment that only parrots are known to produce, which give the bird's feathers their red, yellow, and green coloration. Uh, Researchers exposed different colors of feathers to a feather-damaging bacteria strain and found that the pigments help protect the plumage from degradation. That is wild. Isn't that cool? Good job, evolution. I know. Parrots are neat. (laughs) Parrots are also known for their ability to mimic human speech. They can talk. The world record holder knew more than 1,700 words. That's pretty crazy. I've never seen a parrot talk that much. It says here, let's see, though parrots are generally famous for being chatty puck, a cheery blue parakeet landed in the 1995 Guinness Book of World Records for his vocabulary skills with a recognized set of 1,728 words. Jeez. In addition to speaking, Amazon parrots are renowned singers, including Groucho, who entertained TV audiences with the rendition of How Much Is That Doggy in the Window (laughs) in 2010. I love this. I love that a parakeet is the one that has the most words. That is interesting. Because they're little guys. And I have had a couple, and they've never talked, but I've heard they're capable. So that, I mean, Puck was a pretty smart little guy. Um, And then parrots also, that's the other thing about them is they live a pretty long time in captivity on average between 10 and 50 years. But I've heard a lot of people say the average human lifespan almost, give or take. So depending. So we're going to hear a lot about that in some of our stories today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that is a pretty long lifespan for a pet. And that's a big commitment. I mean, 50 years or, you know, a human lifespan. You could see where they might outlive people. Yeah. And yeah, a theme in our stories today seems to be parrots that are at least believed to be super old. I have a question. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Several of the parrots in today's story were named, of course, Polly. So why the hell are parrots always named Polly? And why do they always want a cracker? (laughs) Why? (laughs) We have we've put that on them for so many years. Maybe they don't want a cracker, okay? (laughs) Maybe they want a chip. Like a carrot. Or a carrot. (laughs) Yeah. According to mentalfloss.com, the generic name Paul for a parrot can be traced back to England since at least the early 1600s. That's a really long time ago. And his 1606 comedy Volpone, Renaissance playwright and close friend of William Shakespeare, (laughs) name dropping, Ben Johnson, assigned many of the characters, animal personas, which reflected their true nature. So the cunning title character, for example, is a fox, while his parasitic manservant is a fly. Okay. And then the two comic relief type characters, Sir Politic would be, or Sir Paul for short, and his wife are visitors from England who are trying to like integrate themselves into Venetian society. And they do so by simply mimicking the words and behavior of Volpone and his associates. Because of their endearing ignorance of what they're actually saying when they repeat phrases they've learned, Johnson describes them as parents oh, in the play. I know. It's story. convoluted. <laughs> 
And it, they, you know, they've taken the time uh, to look these somebody things up. Somebody figured that out. Yeah, somebody did. And I, I love the idea of this play. It sounds very interesting. Right? Um, so yeah, he, it's kind of unclear whether Johnson actually coined the term Paul as the catch-all moniker for parents or parrots, or if that was already kind of popularized. But in any case, indulgent British pet owners eventually kind of turned Paul into a cuter, diminutive Polly. And both names made their way across the Atlantic, of course, with all of the, the trade and things. <laughs> and then, um, President Andrew Jackson had an African gray parrot named Paul, who was famous for spouting obscenities at visiting dignitaries. That's a handy. I like that. Shocking. <laughs> um, as to the crackers, from what I can gather, crackers were a common food on ships. They were mm-hmm. long lasting, easy to store, and parrots were on ships. <laughs> pirates and new pirates exciting and lands being explored and exploited, including monkeys and parrots in particular being traded. So um, that was kind of their main food source on those ships as they came to the mainland. Mm, and that so. kind of answers my other question, which is why do pirates always have parrots? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that also kind of ties into the whole exotic bird slash animal trade, which the ethics of which we will get into a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that just, you know, all goes to show we can history nerd out about nearly anything. But now we got to get to the local history. All of the parrot stories today came from the newspapers. Some might say they were slower, more wholesome times. And I can only imagine it's been a good 40 years since wholesome parrot stories made the paper. But um, I'm running for president and I say, let's make America squawk again, Colby. (laughs) Actually, they're newsworthy, like fairly recently even, but I think it's getting to be like less PC. It's less wholesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not so much. These dicks have a parent <laughs> <And> it's bad <laughs> or is it fun stories i, I don't know that's good there's there's kind of a mix. we'll get to that okay okay <laughs> all right well let's do our first story then the theft of a bellingham beer bird is what i like to call it on june 30th 1908 the herald ran an article about a local saloon owner's missing parrot The scene of the crime the basement of the daylight building which today houses the underground is it defunct? Is it not? Unclear. Is the underground still there? Mm. Know. The Herald reported Chief Cade and 11 of his men are busy today trying to find Fred Alt's parrot, which someone stole last night. The tropical bird is, or was, the apple of Fred's eye, and if he finds the man who kidnapped the feathered one, there is due to be a funeral. To help matters along, Alt goes out of business tonight as his saloon in the daylight block has not been a paying proposition. And now on the eve of his great calamity, someone has eloped with his handsome Hibernian-colored pet. Just a little side note. I had to look that up. What the hell? Hibernian. Hibernia is the classical Latin name for the island of Ireland. Oh, it's green. So it's green colored. Yeah. Of course. The the parrot was the life of the saloon run by Fred. It had a habit of sitting up above the bar and calling, Fred, what is it? The owner would retort, beer, the bird would reply. (laughs) All right, come down, Fred would say. And then the parrot would alight on the bar, swallow his beer with much gusto, and then remark, thanks, no more, and fly away again. I love this bird. On summer days, he has caused no end of amusement by exclaiming, Pretty lady, as some women would go by. And he had a half of the dogs that passed by along Elk Street, as well as the small boys, half wild by sending forth shrill whistles that would cause them to hunt in all directions. But the parrot is gone now, and Fred will not be happy until he gets him. As a result, 
The whole police force is trying to locate the bird, and Alt will certainly prosecute the case if the culprit is found. A man who hung around the place is under suspicion, and the police are trying to locate him. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Thank you, Harold. I found that article a long time ago, and I, mm. at the time, couldn't find anything, like, a follow-up on it. Oh, and no. so I just was like, I don't know whatever happened to Fred Alt's parrot. And then I came back to it all these years later and found the article. Yes. A follow-up. Oh, good. Okay. So it was on the following day, the paper reported Alt's parrot returns. And they said... Fred Alt is happy once again, even though he does go out of the saloon business today because of lack of patronage. (laughs) For yesterday afternoon, his beloved parrot returned. The bird was stolen by someone Saturday night, and Fred had the whole police force trying to locate it. He was agreeably surprised to see Polly return of her own accord yesterday afternoon, and from her place behind the bar, demand beer. (laughs) Yes, Polly, me too. (laughs) Fred was so tickled to see her again that he lost no time in giving her what she asked, and she too seemed glad to get back home again. Mm. It is supposed that the man who stole her either became frightened and released her near the saloon, or else that she broke away and returned of her own accord. She's like, fuck you. Yeah, I got beer back home. Packed what am I doing here? Yeah, get him. <laughs> so that's great. That's lovely. <laughs> Polly, the beer-guzzling parrot, was only gone for one day before she found her way back home. So Fred Alt's saloon did close down, and sadly, two years later, he was found dead in his bed <laughs> in Beck's Hotel on Cornwall mm. Avenue in 1911. He was buried unceremoniously in the Potter's Field mm-hmm. in Bayview Cemetery. There was no mention of Polly the parrot, so the ultimate fate of Polly is unclear. Oh, remains unclear. Maybe he's old Polly with the saloon, or some other saloon imagine. guy friend picked it up. Unfortunately, Polly didn't make the news again, so I don't know. We just can't have a nice wholesome story, can we? <laughs> that, gotta one, end that one did really lead me down a parrot hole. <laughs> Fair enough. Because when I was hunting for stories about the fate of Fred and Polly the parrot, I did find other entertaining parrot stories, mm. some of which we're going to share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you just put search in there, or you search parrots in <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, I just was like, William Harold, keyword parrot. Keyword parrot. Oh, See no. See what happens. Yay. Uh, the next story, fast forward to 1949, when the Herald reported on another parrot named Polly, of course. The article was titled, Polly Loves to Talk, Sing, But Sometimes Exasperating. Great headline, love it. And there's a picture with this article, which is very cute. It's Clarence G. White. He's a retired local banker, and and the caption says, He keeps a wary eye as he watches his 36-year-old pet parrot, Polly. The talkative bird will peck at white, but is calm around his wife. And then there's a cute little article along with it. So, let's see. For all her 36 years, Polly is one female who doesn't show her age. But if coaxed enough, she'll tell you the number of her years, which is more than most members of her sex will do. Let's just double down on that. (laughs) Polly is a parrot, the prized pet of Mr. and Mrs. Clarence White. The bird, who once she gets buddy-buddy will talk a leg off you, has been with the White since Christmas of 1915. Remember, this article is like 1940-something? They figure Polly is probably the oldest pet in Whatcom County. 
Mm-hmm. See about that. Though born in Australia, Polly has no limey accent. She blurts out anything she thinks of, Yankee style. But unlike some members of the Cetaciform species, her language is above reproach. When the telephone rings, the green and yellow feathered friend yells, Yoo-hoo, telephone, in her high voice. She likes to talk except when strangers are in the room. And even then, she courteously bids them goodbye when they leave. The colorful bird, who will probably live to be a 100 years old, is kept in a cage. In summertime, she stays outdoors in a large cage, especially built for her by White. There, Polly whistles tunes, whistles at dogs, and munches on her favorite delicacy, sunflower seeds. Musically, the bird prefers older stuff to bebop. (laughs) Love that. Caroline is her favorite, and she'll join in any time she hears it. Parrots must be part humans, the whites feel. At least Polly gives that feeling. I tried to look up what Caroline the song might be in 1949. Could not find anything. Everything's about Neil Diamond on the interwebs. Yeah, yeah, it kind of took over. (laughs) It was very difficult. I don't know. (laughs) Anyone knows. Right. So Clarence White and his wife Sophie did not have children and thus have the time and resources to take care of such a demanding pet. Sophie died in 1958, and it appears that someone may have offered the bird for sale in a want just a month before Clarence's death in 1966. Polly would have been 53 years of age at the time if the Herald's dates were correct. But parrots outliving their owners is a real problem here or later. Yes. So we're going to move on to another bird, also who laid claim to being the oldest bird in Bellingham or Whatcom County. And this is kind of the star parrot of our show today, or at least the one who got the most press, (laughs) Mildred the Parrot. Finally! Not Polly. Not Polly. I know. (laughs) Although, guess what? Mildred had previously been called Polly. But I guess (laughs) the later owners were like, we're going with something more original. Mildred. My kind of people. And they eventually actually discovered that Mildred was a male (laughs) bird. Not that animals give a shit about our gender binary hangups, but anyway. So this bird got its local fame by being the supposedly Whatcom County's oldest resident. Wait a minute. Which, recall, the previous Polly also laid claim to. And if the dates given by the owners in the articles about Mildred are even close in the ballpark somewhere, Mildred was alive at the same time as Polly and would have beaten out Polly for oldest bird in Whatcom mm. County. So I too bad they weren't buddies. I don't know. <laughs> they could have compared parrot Oldest notes. parrot battle or something. <laughs> However, okay, various dates were thrown around in various articles about Mildred the Parrot, and it was really all over the place. I tried to track the timeline, mm-hmm. and I made a whole timeline. <laughs> like, of course I went in deep on this. I did. <laughs> I and this. to be honest, it did not add up at all. <laughs> uh, but it still seems safe to say that Mildred was likely older than previous Polly all right. by a fair bit. Okay. Uh, Mildred's media fame came while she was owned by William C. Durgan and his wife Hattie in the 1960s, and the bird was said to be over 100 years old Mm. at that time. Mm. There were several articles about Mildred over the years. The first one I found was actually published in the Seattle Times while the Durgans (laughs) were living in the Moore Hotel with their prized pet, and it said... Mildred, a talkative green parrot owned by Mrs. William Durgan, apparently is doing her best to prove the old adage that there's no fool like an old fool. (laughs) Mildred is 128 years and four months old, right? right. But has a schoolgirl crush on John Daly, the TV newscaster and What's My Line moderator. 
She spurns the advances of the only eligible suitor in the downtown area, a handsome macaw with brilliant plumage named Red, which lives nearby at Dillaway's Aquarium and Pet Shop. And, woman-like, she is fascinated by the show-off antics of a seagull (laughs) named Charlie, which sometimes woos Mildred from outside her hotel room window. That birdie will fall down, the parrot says solicitously when she sees the seagull on the window ledge. Mildred remains true to Daly. She insists on complete quiet when the newscaster is speaking from the screen of the nearby television set. <laughs> oh, Mildred. I actually had to go watch What's My Line on YouTube. Yeah. So if you haven't seen that show, it's pretty good. John it's Daly, funny. Yeah. yeah. I remember. It was a good one. So, again, I don't know what the deal with all the... <laughs> Just like a woman. Typical females. <laughs> squawking, squawking. Oh, my God. I mean, it was the mid-century with all the madmen gender shit. <laughs> but just, God, with the stereotypes. Uh, and then it's great that Mildred was actually a male bird anyway, and they're talking about all of her crushes on the other male birds. <laughs> I love that the bird likes to watch TV. And they say, Durgan, an avid rock hound and collector of driftwood, has a two-legged piece of driftwood that resembles a long-necked stork or ostrich. Since watching TV westerns, Mildred insists that the driftwood is a horsey, and Durgan obligingly has put a knit wrapper around the horsey's middle to simulate a saddle. Now, standing tall in the saddle aboard horsey, Mildred watches, and we quote, cowboys and engines. Even John Daly is momentarily forgotten. <sighs> Go, Mildred. Right, cow, Mildred. Cow, cow horsey. Parrot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the article states that Mildred was 128 in this one. Right. Which would put the bird's birth year at 1833. Mm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think so. But the article reports the Mil- that Mildred's age is supported by records kept by previous owners. Mm. And they said, quote, she has lived in Blaine most of her life. An elderly man who lived 52 years at Mrs. Boatman's boarding house <laughs> gave Mildred to Mrs. Boatman when the bird was 75 years old, Mrs. Boatman's daughter Opal had Mildred for 25 years. Then another Blaine family had her for 20 years. We got her three years ago from Mr. and Mrs. Bert Isaacson of Blaine, who had Mildred five years. Wow. Okay. So I tried to do the math. Like yeah. I said, it doesn't exactly add up. And um, also these dates are contradicted in later articles <laughs> when Mildred is reportedly even older. Oh. Like it just keeps... Anyway. Oh, wow. We'll get to that. Okay. Do you want to read on? Yeah. (laughs) Seattle article goes on to say that South Americans who stop at the moor agree that the Amazon parrot is probably 128 years old, explaining this is not at all uncommon for South American parrot. (laughs) Okay. Is it? Well, it's a bit uncommon probably to live well over 100 years. So from the clues in the article, hey, Mildred is probably an Amazon parrot. Internet gives a variety of lifespans. We visited several sites, right, that say 25 to 50, 30 to 60, 40 to 70, or up to 80 for this type of parrot in captivity. And that is on the long side. So other species of parrots seem to have similar or shorter lifespans. It does not seem like it would be common for Mildred to be 100, much less 128. 
Yeah. Not so common. No. It would be kind of uncommon. Not crazy. (laughs) In the article, they also discuss how some of the phrases Mildred says might give clues to the bird's background. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they said, much of Mildred's past is clouded in mystery, and the only clue is words and phrases she lets slip from time to time. (laughs) Mildred must have been around an early day logging operation when an accident occurred in the woods because she frequently calls out, Hitch the horses! Get the buckboard! Whoa! Anybody hurt? (laughs) (laughs) I love this for Mildred. It's great. Mildred's vocabulary, which is considerable, is without any naughty words. Curses is the extent of her profanity. Oh, we might not get along then. (laughs) (laughs) She also speaks some Chinese. Mm. Oh, we. (laughs) At one time, Mrs. Durgan said, she must have been around children who played jacks because she frequently mentions, let's play jacks and ball. It has been years since I've heard of children playing jacks, Mrs. Durgan said. Oh, so yeah. I guess that was already old-fashioned She's in a regular history one. No, it fucking wasn't. <laughs> That's what the children played. They played jacks in the 60s, this crazy lady. And also, hitch the horses and get the... like. Mildred likes watching the Westerns. Right? So, <laughs> just saying... Plus, they would have to be saying that over and over again for her to pick that up. Right. Oh, boy. Uh, Mrs. Durian has a doll buggy with a cage-like hood in which Mildred is taken for short strolls in the hotel area. Mildred seldom talks in front of strangers. Consequently, Mrs. Durgan has eight reels of tape recorded monologues by Mildred. Otherwise, she would make an awful storyteller out of you, Mrs. Durgan said, playing one of the tape recordings to prove that Mildred's vocabulary is all she says it is. Now you talk to the people when they talk to you, Mrs. Durgan often tells the parrot before taking it for a walk. Didn't Mildred talk to anyone in the store? The husband sometimes asks upon their return. Nope. Mrs. Durgan usually replies, questions, 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 the parrot usually replies, shaking its head woefully. Me too. Me too, (laughs) Mildred. I don't want to talk to anybody at the grocery store either. But I have, it seems like that comes up sometimes in these articles Mm. or things I was reading was like, I went on a lot of bird forums. (laughs) And... There, that is something that they were discussing. Like, why yeah. doesn't my bird talk around I other people? Shy, yeah. So. Cool. And also they seem to, like, fixate on one person in the house who they like and are kind of jerks to everybody Yep, else. that's been my experience. <laughs> so that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So the Durgans, apparently, they moved back to Bellingham by 1963, and the Herald ran a story on the bird at that time. And at that point, stating that Mildred's age was 150 years old, <laughs> which adds, like, 20 more years Out of the blue to Mildred's (laughs) lifespan. Also, the story changes in this article, probably because the Durgans had spoken to more members of the family or people who knew some of the history of the birds. They were, like, doing some sleuthing and trying to put it together, which I I like. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So there's a photo with this article captioned, Mildred at 150. (laughs) Mrs. William Durgan holds Mildred, her 150-year-old talking parrot, who appears to be reminiscing about past history. The South American bird could lay claim as Bellingham's oldest resident. She is silent here, but most of the time she chatters away, bringing up phrases from the horse and buggy days. But yeah, there's a little picture of Mrs. Durgan and Mildred. Yeah, it's cute. And then the article says, around the time of the War of 1812, (laughs) a parrot named Mildred was probably born somewhere in South America. 
Though her early history is unknown, her owners put her age at 150, and judging from her wrinkled, knobby feet and slowed-down movements, she is along in years. When they obtained her, the Durgans learned that she belonged to a Mrs. Ellen Tucker of Seattle around 1900. We think she might have gone through the Seattle fire because she's terribly afraid of smoke and flames. Um, yeah, who isn't? <laughs> I don't know what you know, animal would not be. <laughs> from Mrs. Tucker, Mildred went to a relative, Mrs. Boatman of Blaine, who owned a boarding house. We heard that before. So I researched the whole Tucker Boatman family, uh, except no Ellen Tucker seemed to be living in Seattle around 1900. But there was a large family. Still possible, I suppose. I'm going to skip the long and confusing timeline and genealogy of all these people, but just know that I absolutely did create that and do a (laughs) bunch of research on everyone involved in this story. See if they're liars. I know. And it was very interesting to me. It's just too convoluted to explain here. (laughs) Is it interesting to us? I is it interesting to you. all of you? If you out really there. want to know, email me. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Colby does not have time to be defining bird timelines for anyone else out there. I can just copy and paste. I have a whole document. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> all right, you asked for it. We talk about the hitch up the buckboard thing. They think the bird may have been around a li- livery, livery, stable, livery. Yeah. Also talk about the bird eats with the family and the same food off a hand-painted plate. Jam on toast was a, a favorite. They also mention that the Durgans also own two other parrots. Hmm. Ricky and Pippi. And a smaller parrot named Pablo. And a minor bird named Miss Jimmy, which became Miss Jimmy after laying eggs. <laughs> I guess it was Jimmy, and then it became Miss Jimmy. And a macaw bird. So, these are the the bird people, clearly. Mildred was said to be the leader, and call the other birds, my children. Creepy. Not creepy at all. A couple of years later, in 1968, Mildred was featured again in a Herald article. And it is this article that reveals that Mildred is actually a male. They stick with the 1812 birth year for that article, though. They elaborate on the birds speaking some Chinese and said they believed came to Seattle by boat, as the bird also occasionally came up with a boating terms. And, quote, when we ask him what Chinaman he knew, he always says, yum, yum. So we think he must have been a cook. Oh, that's, that's a stretch. <laughs> I have nothing to say. Go in. <laughs> yeah, right. So they say, this is how they have learned much of Mildred's past. They ask the bird questions and mm. interpret what he says. <laughs> Plus, they talk to everyone they can who has ever known the bird. So, Okay. I question the validity of relying on a bird. I mean, like, they talk, right? But they don't really have a lot of comprehension. They mostly are just mimicking, right? So, like, it can't answer your questions in any meaningful kind of way. (laughs) I don't think. But I do love that the Durgans were obsessed with finding out the bird's story and were legit, like, tracking down people Mm. and trying to piece it together. But to me, this whole thing seems like a game of telephone. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone who knew the bird is relying on the memory and stories they were told by previous owners. And they just are, like, adding on their own embellishments. So each person seems to add, like, a decade or two to this bird's (laughs) lifespan. Fair enough. So, old Mildred lived another 11 years after that article was published. Mildred died in 1974, and an article about the bird's demise was published with a picture of Mildred with SQUAWK (laughs) in large letters above it, captioned, The Deceased. Jesus. Ren, would you like to read Mildred's obit? Read her obituary. His obituary. (laughs) 
Mildred the Parrot's long stay on Earth ended with a squawk Tuesday, and she died in the arms of her owner. That bird had more friends than you or I will ever have, said a heartbroken Mrs. C.W. Durgan, who held Mildred as the reputedly 163-year-old bird breathed her last. Although Mildred's age has never been officially documented, Mrs. Durgan said she outlived five generations of the Boatman family in Blaine. The bird was taken to a local taxidermist Wednesday in an attempt to confirm her age. It says Mrs. Durgan planned to have Mildred mounted, and Mrs. Durgan was not pleased by that prospect. But another potentially taxidermied bird around here, folks. I know. We had an ostrich. Yep. Maybe Mildred's out there. Please check your attics, your grandma's attics. Mildred could be out there. I have, I have a whole, we should, maybe we should do a whole episode about taxidermy. Mm-hmm. I come across some stuff and I, I, I did actually recently message Jeff at the museum being like, Jeff, is this in your collection still? <laughs> and it wasn't, but, Ugh. um, so some of these taxidermy animals were ended up in the museum but a lot of them have subsequently been, I don't know, Probably gotten rid of. Dissolved. Yeah, pulled apart. <laughs> yeah. So. Moth-eaten. There's weirdly a lot of stories about taxidermy. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, unfortunately, uh, we couldn't find a follow-up on whether the bird was actually mounted or its age confirmed. Yeah. But I am going to go with the most logical explanation, <laughs> which would be that Mildred was actually, in my guess, was born around... At the earliest, around 1900, mm-hmm. which would make him about 70 years of age, which is that's pretty good old for a parrot. Good job, but certainly not the War of 1812 <laughs> I do uh, love that. or 163 or any of that nonsense. That has to be an exaggeration. So the Durgans, um, William, died four years later at age 79 in 1978, and Hattie in 1986 at age 80, uh, and they had no children. So hopefully, someone found a home for any of her birds that outlived her because she had that whole bunch of them yeah yeah she had a whole clan there the bird people can we talk about the bird type apologies in advance if you're a bird person i i get it but i don't they're a little wacky right i'm sorry i'm sorry i when i was a child my grandma there was like a neighbor down the street and my grandma took me to this woman's house and she had legit like rooms dedicated Mm. that were just lined with bird cages like a pet shop that's creepy. Just rooms was it a of rescue? Birds. Or was she just no, obsessed? No, I don't oh, know. Good. I was yeah. a child, but I just remember <laughs> being a little bit creeped out because they were just like, you know, I'd seen the movie The Birds and I was like, mm, I don't like this. <laughs> I've been there, done it. I was just thinking about the bird room at um, Holes. Yeah. And I was always just like, oh, God, walk in there for a second. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Completely fucking overwhelmed. But there are people who have that in their homes. Yeah. My grandma had a big old, on her, like, indoor-outdoor kind of sun porch, had a huge cage of finches. Oh. And they were really cute. That's kind of cool for a sun porch, they maybe. They so but... fucking loud. Like... And all the poop and everything. I'm just like, uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, mm-hmm. thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, you know, there's crazy cat lady stereotype mm-hmm. for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's I the think, ostrich people. I think, <laughs> I think bird people might be even a little crazier than yeah. crazy cat people. Yeah. I'm sorry. Because you're, you're, like, trying to talk to them, right? Like, the Durgans are like... <laughs> 
history sleuthing and trying to have conversations in Chinese with this bird. Like, that's another level. I've never known somebody to try to talk to a cat right. about, uh, about their they history. They probably would if they could. But. Okay, so bird people apparently agree, according to an article about the Northwest Aviculture Society from the Herald in 1985 oh, titled okay. Shop Squawk, Bird Lovers Just Wacky About the Beasts. This was written by Don McManman. McManman. Wow. (laughs) All right. I like that name. Don McManman says, bird lovers say, if you're not a little bit crazy when entering the hobby, you soon will be. A talkative parrot named Scott has been known to invite visitors into the house without consulting his owners. Scott, a feathered fit, has been known to tell his parrot pal Corky to shut up, especially if Corky has been barking like a poodle. Scott, Corky, and about a hundred other exotic birds filled the Bellingham Public Library lecture room Saturday as the Northwest Aviculture Society held its annual bird show. We all must be a little bit crazy, said president of the 20-member club. At least it helps, she said. Continuing, whether they talk or not, birds make fine companions. The club's vice president has more than 300 birds at his Nugent's Corner place, including a rare bourbon red turkey named, what else, Tom. But not all birds are friendly or even lovable. Take the incongruously named lovebirds. Look into their big round eyes. Admire their pastel beaks. Watch them snuggle with each other. Little do you realize that in that body, no bigger than a sugar dish, rests the Genghis Khan of Birdville. They will come out of the cage and bite you for the fun of it, like club members said. Okay. Okay. I love this. That was 1985, so. And his buddy is barking like a poodle. So I was like, okay, Northwest Aviculture Society, eh? So apparently it's now called the Northwest Exotic Bird Society. Okay. They have a Facebook page. All right. They were founded in 1979 and supposedly are the largest and oldest bird society in Washington state. They say they are affiliated with the American Federation of Aviculture, which is this big organization that supposedly also promotes conservation of bird wildlife through the encouragement of captive breeding programs, scientific research, and education of the public. While I did some poking around on these things, it just kind of, I don't know, it seemed a little fishy, like they say they're for mm-hmm. conservation, but a lot of stuff seemed to focus on combating laws designed to restrict bird ownership, mm-hmm. exotic bird ownership, so they're mostly just like, we love our birds, don't tell us that it's problematic. Uh, fair enough. Is what I gathered, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, just kind of like, we're officially, we like them a lot. <laughs> Science, aviculture. Yeah. Nothing to see here. But also lobbying for yeah. people not to restrict their problematic exotic animal trade. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen those circumstances and things like the Tiger King. I feel like there it's got to be very similar. They could probably make a spinoff. Seems like, though, if you're really interested in conservation, you would not encourage the harmful trade of exotic birds and pets. But somehow people are convinced they are doing a good thing or saving wild animals. So there's legislation restricting importing exotic birds into the U.S. to try and prevent them being depleted in the wild and becoming endangered. But then what you end up with are like 
puppy mills for birds. And often they are secretly bringing in wild birds to replenish stocks because it's just difficult to breed some of these birds in captivity and also, right, you're, you're inbreeding, yada yada. We read that birds are like puppies, but they never outgrow the puppy behavior. And then the really annoying ones that get returned for so-called bad behavior get used for breeding, thus perpetuating this whole situation. <sighs> then there are bird sanctuaries to deal with these wild birds that outlive their owners and end up orphans, etc. So I think, you know, it's safe to say if you like birds, maybe get a bird feeder or don't because then you're going to poison them. I mean, I, I don't even know. There is a very good wild bird watching group. I think that the museum facilitates. Yeah. You could just go and look at the birds out right. in the wild. Maybe. Yes. I did. There is a local store called the Wild Bird Chalet. Yes. Love Bellingham. that place. I love that they're still there. I, I was always, to be honest, confused by that name because I thought it was like it was for tropical birds and parrots and stuff and I wondered mm. why they were in a chalet which is like a <laughs> ski chalet in the Alps or something but it turns out it, it is it's not it's for bird seeds and stuff for people that are for wild bird nerds yeah so I guess that's, that's, cool. that's better than so go there the alternative get some books ask those yeah. folks they yeah. know what they're talking about I would say just get some binoculars go be a bird watcher mm-hmm. leave the wild things in yeah. the wild, if you can, you know? Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. But, you know, that's it. If you have a bird, if you have a parakeet, more power to you. Just love them. Be a good right. person to them. Yeah, I guess that's Freedom my takeaway from today is, like, I don't know, as funny as these stories about parrots are, they kind of really just illustrate people's weird obsession with these kind of birds and the mm. kind of, like, mythologizing around the birds and projecting fantasies about long lifespans and their wild adventures. Yeah, their history and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, which I think is weird and also kind of fascinating. But I, I honestly, I'm like, if that bird could really talk and tell us about its life, it probably was like way more mundane and <laughs> very, sad. Very. <laughs> you know? Yeah, except for Polly, who got to drink beer and hang out at the bar. <laughs> that was probably pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling Mildred had kind of a boring life. Mildred's like, Oh, I'll ride that driftwood. <laughs> there's nothing watch, fucking watch else to do. TV oh, there's a seagull. Cool. You know. So what's your takeaway? I then? don't know. My takeaway <laughs> is like, the, I think for all of our pets and animals, we try to like put our human-like qualities onto them. And I think, you know, parrots are especially easy to do that with because yeah, they, they can kind of talk to you and, yeah. and they are smart and like social little creatures yeah so i mean i get it love to see them all over the pages i love the, it's kind of a maritimey thing yeah. so i feel like it's yes. kind of fitting that bellingham would have so many <laughs> in, in the papers that would be so fascinated by them yes i say if anyone in bellingham or blaine remembers mildred the ancient parrot or the yeah. durgans or, or has her taxidermied body yeah. in their attic <laughs> to drop us a note please we'd love to hear it we'd love it or any of your other bird stories yes. love those Yes. Love the stories you guys tell us. It's always fun. I can't wait to get flooded with the number one people asking for a timeline. <laughs> Very detailed timeline on these fucking parrots. I, have it. I, have <laughs> I know it. you do. <laughs> She's ready for you guys. Come, come at her. I know all the entire Boatman family genealogy. So. Oh, okay. If you're a Boatman. No relation. Yeah. <laughs> Just wanted to know about their don't, parrots. Don't need- <laughs> Don't need to be related to stock your entire family. <laughs> All right, you guys. I think we're going to cut it there. Tune in next time for some more Belling history. 
That was a good one. No, I doubt. That was really fun, actually. Well, hey, mama, where'd you go? You gotta be just what you saw. That's too bad. Too bad. We'd like to thank Devin Champlin and the late great Lucas Hicks for the use of the Gallus Brothers song, Too Bad West Coast Blues. You can find the Gallus Brothers tune on Bandcamp and you can find Devin Champlin at Champlin Guitars in Bellingham. We'd like to thank you for listening to Belling History with the Good Time Girls. Check out our tours and events, read our blog with podcast notes, etc. at bellinghistory.com. And don't forget to subscribe and review our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast Lost platform. My Lost my brim, looking like a coast, that's swinging from a limb, that's too bad, too bad. Well, I got no bugging, I got no smokes, I look like Grandpa and all of his folks, that's too bad. time for more belling history. Thank you.